This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. What a week, boys. What a week it's been. Of course, Dons had a pretty good week themselves, but in terms of the wild scale of football, it's uh, it's been some 48 hours. Of course, the Super League came and gone. Uh, the big six are staying in the Premier League, and I'm sure a lot of fans, including us, will remember this for a long, long time. Um, but outside of football, um, I'm interested to hear how your weeks, your guys' weeks have gone. So, um, Ross, how are you doing? If Don's win, I'm happy. That's that's all I can sum my week up by. Simple equation, isn't it, really, for you, Ross? Oh, certainly. <laughs> and how about yourself, Joe? How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah, all good. Sunburns recovering. You'll be pleased to know everyone. So, uh, yeah, we're well on our way. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Okay, um, yeah, Don's went to Bristol Rovers midweek and um, won 2-0 pretty comfortably. You know, it, I got so comfortable watching that game at times that I wasn't even watching the game. I knew we had the ball. It was just cruise control for most of that game, really. I mean, we, we spoke about how Rovers didn't have many strengths as a team, according to, you know, certain sites. And they, they were as bad as expected, to be honest. You know, I thought considering they really had to win that game to stay up, they had a bit of fight. But you know, as members of uh, the gas casters in Kaz, they're, they're as bad as expected, really. It, it was so poor. They lost all fight. And I think the, the, the Barton comments on Everest are actually pretty true, um, which is quite damning. Of course, we were pretty comfortable the whole game. Uh, Scotty Fraser got his open play goal, which was nice for him. And then, of course, Will Rigg finally got on the score sheet after really should have been in, on the score sheet in the previous game against Pompey. Um, and... Yeah, Fish got his clean sheet as well. Saved Harry Darling's skin a little bit. Um, and again, proves why he's a starting goalkeeper, even with uh, some people calling for Lee Nichols in goal. Um, so I'll pass it over to the other gents to get their general thoughts on the game. So, Ross, I'm sure you were pretty comfortable watching that game midweek as well. But what were you thinking after 90 minutes in the final whistle blew? Oh, funny you say that. In the first 10 minutes, um, Bristol actually had a really big chance which could have put them 1-0 up. I think it was off a set piece and uh, Hallen, um had a he, he had a volley and he put it straight at Fisher and it was a warning sign. But after that, we looked comfortable. And as you said, Liam, we I didn't feel like we got out of second gear and um, we didn't need to, in my opinion. Um, but down that left-hand side, Sorinola, yet again, outrageous. He was causing the... Uh, Rovers back line massive problems and 
if Cami Jerome was in that box, uh, some of the deliveries from Sorinola, Cami would have had a field day. I know, obviously, Griggs not that sort of striker, getting his head on the end of them. He's a bit more of a poacher in the box. Um, but, yeah, I was pleased just overall how, how we uh, rode out the game. And as you say, Liam, Scotty Fraser scores and um, it's two wins on the bounce. Yeah, I forgot about that handling chance actually early on. It's a good point you mentioned it because we were so comfortable that it just went to the back to the back of my mind. Um, of course, yeah, it was really early on and again, uh, fish to the rescue as per usual. Um, but yeah, I mean, apart from that, they, they're a really poor football team. Um, I don't say that too often, um, but wow. I mean, I thought there'd be a bit more fight than that, especially from some of their more talented players who got took off at halftime. Um, but I made some pretty damning comments about their players after the game as well, which uh, we're not going to repeat on here, but um, you can sure you can find it if you look on Twitter from uh, some of Don's fans on here. Um, Joe, I mean, I see your notes, you put a routine win, so expand a bit on that for us. Yeah, I think it, it was routine in the sense that we, we almost made it look routine. Okay, it helps with Bristol Rovers not particularly being up to scratch, but I thought, at times, they just gave us so much room. We they, they did try and press quite high, but, I mean, they didn't really do a good job because so many times it was Sorinola and Fraser especially just absolutely bearing down on, you know, acres of space. And, you know, sometimes that isn't a player thing. That's a setup thing, to be honest with you. When the players are told to press that high, um, you know, this it was leaving massive gaps in behind. So there was quite a few times where we were almost counter-attacking on them, which is quite rare for us to actually do because it's not normally teams counter-attacking on us. Um, and also one thing as well, we, we got in some good positions, but maybe a shot didn't come or, you know, the cross was just blocked and, and or maybe this cross just wasn't good enough. So there was a couple of situations like that. Um, but we got the goals at quite good times. And, you know, at times in that second half, it was just just sort of going through the motions and that's what you want. They barely had a sniff really after the first goal as such, you know, it was a couple of flashes, but nothing really to be too worried about. Um, another set piece goal, which is great. Um, and yeah, fish saving darlings, uh, darling bacon. I, I actually, I was quite miffed off actually when, cause it was, I think it was five minutes added on 95 and 50 seconds. And I, when darling, he was going wide and I was like, Oh my goodness. But no, really, really chuffed for that clean sheet because, uh, I mean, that's four four clean sheets in six now. Um, so for a team that can't defend, not bad at all. Yeah, I I was echoing the emotions of the uh, the sidelines and that fish saved that penalty. Um, almost to the state of literally I'll scream myself when that penalty was saved because it, essentially, it was, it was so frustrating. I did nothing all game and to get that from McCormick, who to fair was the one player he really did show some fight. And he's not even their player. Um yeah, that, that would have been absolutely infuriating. And Russell Martin would have drilled that into them at the end. But yeah, luckily Fish, as you said, saved his bacon. And yeah, I suppose Barton sort of gave his cards away with that pressing thing. If he said in his um, pre-match presser how he was going to press the Dons after watching the Lincoln game and didn't wait, it works for about two seconds. And then once, I think, the, I think to be fair, ourselves have gotten a lot better at playing out, outside that pressure and um, you're really trying to, play of a purpose I suppose rather than um, taking a safe route which we've gone to and um, Ross you know Barton spoke a lot about you know the Don's lacking purpose at times um, but I'm sure that what he saw against his side uh, last night 
uh, was a team playing full of purpose and, you know, putting his team to the sword, essentially. Yeah, definitely. But I just wanted to highlight, as, you said, as you've mentioned, Liam, we've developed so much with that press. And I, I remember when we played against Burton and uh, I believe I was at the game, um, one of the few games where I actually allowed in the stadiums. And Burton were pressing us and we're really struggling to cope with it. And it just shows how far we've actually come. Um, yesterday, tried to press us and they couldn't beat it. And um, yeah, we played out, ourselves out of it. But I noticed when they did try and press Josh McEachran, he obviously we can speak about Fraser, Sorinola and all these, but Josh McEachran, he was he was something else. And just getting us out of them tight areas, um, keeping things flowing. And at the end of the day, it got us over the line. Yeah, of course, if a player gets, you know, rested or dropped, you know, the head can go down quite easily, can't it? But I think the nice thing in this group is, is that there's a clear communication line between the gaffer, the coach, well, the rest of the coach, staff and the players. So if a player is, you know, dropped or rested, that you know, they come back in and put a performance like Josh did, which was excellent. And, you know, he really helped the team, as you mentioned, him and Kaz, who, again, was terrific. I mean, you forgot you forget how good uh, Kaz is to be honest. And then he comes back for two games and absolutely bosses that midfield. And, it, and even even the opposition commentators were like, "Yeah, he's a he's a really really top player." So that's when you know you've got a good egg on your hands. Um, but yeah, I said I said Ross uh, is excellent, and uh, so was Kaz. So you mentioned about uh, Scott Fraser, Scottish Wizard, finally getting off the mark with his open play of uh, open play of a goal. Sorry, and um, I felt this game. As Joe mentioned with the press, he was given so much room to just drive at people. And, you know, not only did he deserve that goal, but he he was just so him and him and O'Reilly just ran that game really. Absolutely just just great. I don't really know what else to say. Um, you know, he he did he still did his um ground jewels work like typically would do from box box midfielder, you know, six out of eleven one. Um when he needed to, he played the long ball as well, eight percent success rate with the long ball. And Joe, we kind of saw the Scott Fraser, he mentioned a few weeks ago, didn't he, about him struggling during lockdown and things like that in the past months we struggled for him. But these past two games have really started to see the Scott Fraser of, of the earlier in the season, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy what he can do if he's not got three men man-marking him for the whole game. And uh, I think maybe <laughs> we see why they do man-mark him for most of the game when he can do stuff like that. I think... Um, him and Sorinola, I think they've got a great relationship. And I think a lot of the, you know, so often they're interchange. And I think him and Harvey maybe don't quite have that relationship. But I think, you know, with, you know, just regardless of, you know, Sorinola and Harvey is that, you know, individual ability. I think um, Sorinola has a, such a great relationship with Fraser that it, a lot of the time it actually brings out the best in Fraser as well as Sorinola. Um because a lot of the time, you know, if the, the the opposition on that side, they just won't know who to mark. Um, and yeah, like you say, he's getting him. He's getting one thing with Fraser is he always got stuck in. And yeah, he might not win every duel, but at least he's there putting pressure on, force you know, forcing the player to maybe pass backwards instead of you know running into space. And um, you know, I think if there's one thing you can't fault with Scott Fraser in the last well, in the whole time he's been here is his work rate. And a lot of people are apparently, you know, in the summer, uh, maybe some of the words were that, yeah, he's a great attacking player, but maybe he's a bit of a luxury player. But that I've not seen any of that. He's been, um, you know, attacking-wise, we know he's got the quality. And it was great to see him actually getting into the box and he was there at the right place at the right time. 
you know that was that was pure instinct he wasn't there by you know chance and um and yeah i think that the defensive side we've seen really it, it helps us out massively especially when you know if we do lose the ball because of how many men we commit you know there's going to be space in behind but he's busting a gut nine times out of ten and those sorts of i think back to the shrewsbury game i think it was when he wasn't there and we lost that midfield battle based on intensity and legs. And I think when you've got someone like him, and then you've also got Kasumu just <laughs> sweeping up behind him, it's um, you know, the the opposition players must just just get so sick and tired of it and just give up, really. Yeah, I, I know a lot of top teams in this league, especially we mentioned we talked about the Gary on from Stacey West on our preview with Lincoln, how there's a few luxury players in their squad. And as you mentioned, I, I can't name a single luxury player in a Stons team. And I think that's what's going to take us so far next season, as long as we recruit well and the players that you know we do recruit have got the same sort of philosophy, which I'm sure they will. Everyone fights for for the same purpose, for the same ball. There's no individuals in that team. They're a group collective. And we saw just for the end of the game last night with that tackle, uh, a pretty rough tackle, to be honest, from uh, Kilgore. You know, they're, they're a group in the day. They fight for each other and they win games together, they lose games together. And that's what's going to take this team very far, I think. Yes, you have the individual quality, but being that group is what's going to get them through the tough games and you know really high moments like the past few games have been. So, yeah, it's really important. I know you touched upon, trying to rephrase on the left-hand side, but I feel like a player who's really, well, he's most been helped by that, I suppose, is um, their chemistry is Zach Jules. I feel a bit like Charlie Brown, to fit. every game I've seen from him, that left centre-back role, he's really growing into that role. And of course, that was always going to happen. You know, we've seen it happen with so many players in this squad. But he seems more comfortable there now. And he's he's venturing forward less or maybe more rashly, I suppose. You know, at times in previous games of the season, we've seen him run into danger, a bit like Harry Darling did when he first joined and lose the ball. We could see the goal and everyone's complaining about him. But I think these past two games, especially, he's known the right time to do that. And I think he's showing clear signs of learning, essentially. And the process is kind of working on him. And we've seen him put in better performances. And I think Ross, that really showed us, didn't it, in terms of him sort of picking out the right time to move go forward and letting, essentially, someone afraid to do their thing going forward. Well, it was always about the case of being patient with the lad. The fact that, obviously... He's been told to play left wing back at the start when he uh, was recruited in and then go straight into the left centre half role. And um, with the, obviously with the way we play, there's so many variables um, in what he does. And I just wanted to highlight and um, mention Warren O'Hara wasn't great at the start of the season. And we, we gave him some time and look, look at the play he was in before he got injured. And I think the same applies with Jules, new league new position as such. He's played a few games now. He's starting to find his feet, starting to know what's around him and what he has to do in his position. And now we're starting to reap the benefits of it. And I think felt last night show that he never looked in trouble along that back line. And um, I know some, obviously with him coming in, people thought he would be a weak link as such. But yesterday showed that all of them looked as solid as each other. Hey, I'm telling you, they lose some trouble next season, you know. But once Warren O'Hara's back fit, he's in trouble getting his starting spot back for sure. Uh, I'll mark my words on that. If 
if um, Darlin and Jules keep it up, which I'm sure they can, you know, they haven't shown any signs they can't. And of course, we all know the quality Warren has. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be competition for places, and that's what we need. Um, and yeah, it'd be nice to have a, a plethora of defenders for once when at the times it seems like we've had either none or one or two very good ones and not had many other things around that. So yeah, looking forward to it. So boys, a bit of a progress checkup. Um, 16th of October 2020, we had two points from the first four games or five games, I say, sorry, in the league. And we bottom of the league. Uh, last night, Soros hit 61 points and we're now 10th in the league six points off the P word, which we're not going to mention on this podcast. Um, so Joe, obviously a lot of, a lot of fans were not doubting Russ Martin, but as, as I mentioned at the very start, you know, we had to back the team up essentially and get sort of patience into everyone. And I think it's fair to say now that we're reaping the rewards of backing the team and uh, seeing the process play out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was sent by a friend yesterday um, two league tables. So one one of them was on the 1st of August to the 1st of November. And at that point, we were 19th in the league. And from 10 games, we had just nine points. Um, if you look at the league table from the last 32 games, so from the 1st of November till now, uh, we're sixth and Sunderland have got one point more than us. Um, and I think it just goes to show that in the league, we are 10th at the moment. However, there are teams in and around us, such as Doncaster, who are only where they are because of their good start. In the last 10, 15 games, they've been one of the worst teams in the league, as we saw. They, I thought they, they were dreadful, to be quite honest with you. Um, Ipswich, they had a pretty decent start, which yeah, I think Ipswich are level on points of us. you know, And I think... In terms of saying that we are a good team, the league table is taken from, well, August, so that's about six, seven months. And, of course, you're judged on that season, that period of time. But if we're talking the here and now and where we are as a team, I, I don't think there's that many better teams than us in the league. You look at the top three at the moment, you've got Hull, who we beat and were unlucky to lose at home. You've got Peterborough, Right, one game where the team had been completely turned upside down, write that off. And then we at home, we, we should have won. We were we we're in the ascendancy and they were lucky. They got away, they had four shots there and they scored with one, their one shot on target. And and Sunderland, we took four points off them this season. And these are the, you know, pretty clear the best three teams in the league. And I think that I think Blackpool might have been the only teams to actually have done the double. Oh, Lincoln did as well and done the double over us. But I think that, you know, the league table does lie in a way because I think there's certain teams that are above us that have sort of been on a downward trajectory for the past two, three months, whereas we've been improving ever since. And, you know, if we had the team which we've got now for the whole season, where would we be in the league? I, I genuinely think we'd be not fighting for the playoffs. I think we'd be in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, in terms of progress, I think maybe we should look at things like that and maybe, you know, look at the last 10 games, look at the last 15 games rather than look at the league table. Because I think that, you know, Russ has mentioned in his press conferences about how, oh yeah, you know, I looked at the last time we played so-and-so and, -so and uh, only two of the players we've currently got started. You know, and it's things like that just show you how much has actually gone on through the season. 
And it's quite incredible that these players have settled in so quickly. And so that's, you know, even more kudos to, to the management team. So, yeah, I just think, you know, on, on the face of it, it appears decent. But actually, I think, you know, I think we the, the league table is lying and we actually are one of the best teams in the division. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at it from a more sort of the whole time since Chris Martin's come into the club, you know, the club tweeted out a tweet earlier. Uh, on the 2nd of November 2019, the team was averaging uh, 0.81 goals per game and 0.8.1 points per game. And today, or presently taking to account last night, it's now up to 1.35 goals per game, 1.42 points per game. So, there you go. I mean, that, that's it's in the numbers right there. The team's improved scoring-wise and we're getting more points. So, I think it, it's fairly evident, whether you want to take into account the league table or not, that Russ Martin's improved this footballing team and people that aren't aboard the process yet, I'm sure are going to be bored next season when we're in their playoffs and we're beating the best teams in the league fighting to get into the championship. And hopefully we do. Um, I think it'd be a season early personally, but I think unlike the last time we were in a championship, I think we're ready for it this time. Um, so yeah, hey, hopefully it happens because I'm ready to get back to the championship. I mean, I love that season so much and uh, going to certain away days. So yeah, looking forward to it. Of course, there's plenty of caveats and asterisks next to, you know, this form, you know, we're not going to have the exact same team which we've had the second half of this season. We may lose a couple of people. We may add some people that we thought were better but might not be. We may, you know, people may get injured. There's all loads of these different sorts of things. But I just think given, you know, the improvement is there to see. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about the consistency. And if Russ can get what he wants done in the summer rather than get what he wants done in January, you know, because I think we've just, we, you know, as we've mentioned, he what he said in January, he wanted this done in the summer, but through you know, no fault of his own, he couldn't get it done because of finances and COVID, which is completely fair enough, to be honest. You know, we can't moan too much about that. However, you know, I think he's proven, and Liam Sweeten and his team, that, um, you know, they, 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 they know what they want, and let's just hope that they're able to get it. I think they will personally. I think Bruce did the pudding at the end of the day. They've had this two terrific windows. Um, so there's literally track record of them doing well. So if the chairman doesn't back them now, then he's a foolish man in my eyes. I suppose we'll round off our Bristol Rovers review with the wing backs, uh, Ethan Laird and Matthew Sorinola. Both terrific last night. Um, I mean, we highlighted Ethan Laird um, on, our, on our Twitter earlier on. So we'll start with him. Um, Ross, I mean, he didn't get the assists that we we were talking about pre-recording. How Ethan's been, Ethan's been robbed of a fair few assists this season, but I thought going forward against Lee, he he's absolutely electric. He had him on strings in ninety minutes, to be honest. So, uh, give us your thoughts on how you thought Ethan did. Not a league one player for sure. I can tell oh, you definitely that. Definitely not. Yeah, he's he's way above this level, and you can tell. And I think obviously we we know he's got a character, a bubbly character about him, and it rubs off him on the pitch as well. And um, even when he's just trying to beat his man and he goes out for a corner, he's got a smile on his face. And maybe maybe it's something we've lacked in the past few years, a bit of a bubbly character on the pitch and it warms to the fans. And at the end of the day, if you've got that sort of, sort of characters in the tra- changing rooms, it's a positive one at the end of the day. 
yeah, the clubs all talk about him always smiling. Um, and you can tell that he just, yeah, he's, he loves it. He loves it here. So, of course, he won't, he won't be here next season more than likely. I'm sure Man United have got much bigger plans for him. Uh, but if he wants to stay here, we'll have him. Uh, if he wants to contribute to the championship push next season, I happily take him. Another player that we really want here next season is Matthew Sorano, the Joe. And um, mentioned about his delivery, but I don't know. For me, he's here better every game. And I don't know if that's just me not watching him enough or not watching what he does enough in terms of what he does with the ball, but he just seems to constantly improve. And that's obviously a really good sign of a young player, isn't it? Absolutely. And you can't ask for anything more from a young player because, you know, unless your name's Wayne Rooney, you're not the finished article age 19. Um, it's And one thing with Matthew Sorinola, which has been so apparent is, you know, it's not just the maybe playing an early ball, but I remember so many times earlier in the season where he'd be one-on-one with a man and it would go back. And so now we're starting to see coming in on his left, trying something out, and it doesn't always work. But I think we're actually seeing how good he is going forward. And we always, you know, I just, I remember saying, you know, two, three months ago, he's obviously a good player. I just wish he'd back himself, maybe. And maybe it's just confidence. Maybe it's because he's getting a run in the team. But yeah, it's great to see, and you know, I'm sure there will be the odd bad game. He, you know, he after the the um, assists he got versus Burton and then Plymouth, I thought he had two not great games, and then Harvey came in, played really well, and I think you know. But then again, we say it's the nature of the young player, and so if you know, long may it continue. And yeah, I'd 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 be more than happy for him to sign a new deal. So uh, hopefully, he gets it done. Just a quick note on Ethan Laird as well. He was fouled five times last night, and some of the fouls were absolutely disgusting on him. Like he was I know, about it. like hacked down at some point. I mean, I know the Kilgore one. He had it was it was uh, a tactical foul. Um, it was a take one for the team one. But some of them were just so you know, Ethan had beaten them all ends up. And um, I mean, in his first interview, he weren't lying when he was saying that there, there were going to be fireworks, was it? Definitely not. I think that, that that Kilgore one was just pure aggression, I think. There was no tactical nous in that one. The game was over. He just did that. Yeah, that was aggression in my eyes. He should have been sent off for that. And I think I'm being... I don't know the word is to that a bit. But yeah, I, he should have been sent off. I mean, there was, there's actually no reason for him to go in on Ethan Laird like that, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and of course, how can I forget? We saw Lassus Aronson. He's back. Um, he's he's still back. alive, is he? He's still alive. He's not kidnapped he's back in the 18 he's getting minutes so yeah it's good to see Lassa and um, yeah hopefully uh, maybe we'll see him again on the next on Saturday Cody gets winded who knows um, just a quick word before we move on about Will Grigg as well I thought he was great and you know he, he, he nearly scored the first one but a great save which then Fraser followed in but yeah just you know sometimes they say you need an ugly one to just get you get you going and uh, yeah, I'm sure he won't be moaning at all yeah, is he is he joint ninth for goals now in club history? Joint ninth, is that right? Yeah, I think I saw that. I think I saw the club tweet that actually. Yeah, so okay, well, not bad, not bad for someone uh, that's way, been here a season well. and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so well done to Will, and uh, yeah, hopefully more than come, mate, because you definitely deserve them. Okay, that rounds off our press review quite nicely. We'll move on to our Swindon review shortly. podcast is a proud member of the fan hub 100 football without fans is nothing so we've partnered with fan hub to put fans first 
Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so after back-to-back wins, the Dons will look to make it three in a row at home to, to Swindon uh, Town, the Robins, it's a and k So I'll be taking you through the preview for Swindon Town. So currently, Swindon are 23rd in the league table with 40 points from 43 games and they are five points of safety with three games to go. So it really is crunch time for the Robins. Uh, away form, so the last four games for the Robins, uh, they've won one. Uh, that's the Crystal Rovers 1-0, which uh, based off our performance against them, isn't that too much, oh. to be honest. <laughs> um, and they lost the last three after that. So they lost to ASU Wimbledon 4-1 and then Rochdale and Burton 2-1 also. Um, Tommy Wright is their caretaker manager uh, after John Sheridan got sacked last week. Um, actually, yeah, after they lost to ASU Wimbledon. So, yeah, new manager bounce for them for sure, as we'll get on to in a second. As they beat Pompey 3 1 in the last time out, uh, Brett Pittman got a double, I believe, against his former team. So that's a bit of sweet for him, I suppose. And uh, I believe the lads are going to talk a lot about that game a bit later on. Last time we played Swindon, of course, was a 4 1 win at their place. Uh, dominant, from what I remember. Um, of course, we were pretty lethal in front of the goal, I believe. Um, but probably one of our better performances this season, in my opinion, um, in terms of just how clinical we were and um, put them to the sword, really. And probably should have more, to be honest, with that penalty. I believe Joe Mason got denied. Um, goals came from Cammy Jerome, uh, got the double, uh, Dan Harvey and former Don Regan Paul. So an interesting stat for you for Swindon. They've conceded in 90% of their away games this year, this season, but they've also scored in 76% of them as well. So that screams goals. And of course, they've had 21 games away. So that's a, a quite high percentage of both of those. So keep us in goals, stay doing K on Saturday. In terms of how Wright had them set up in the last game, it was in a 4-4-2. So, you know, your, your standard sort of lower league formation that everyone loves to bang on about. Um, the technical players of Payne and Twine were out on the wings and then they had Pittman and Tyler Smith up front for them as a duo. And of course, the 3-1 win would indicate that it went well for them. Um, although apparently Charlie Daniels assisted them in that result pretty nicely from speaking to Pompey fans after the game. And my final note of them is that they're a dangerous team who should not be underestimated. You know, I'm sure we'll get on to Payne and Twine, who are two excellent players. You know, I've been banging on about Jack Payne for years and Scott Twine's been a player who's scoring screamers all season. So they shouldn't be underestimated. And I think they've personally got a good chance of staying up if uh, they can put the performances in. So, Ross, who's some key players you've you've got your eye on ahead of Saturday against Wyndham? Am I right to say that if we beat them on the Saturday, they're down? That's five points off. Yeah, five points off. So they could. Oh no, they're technically... seven off. Sorry. Oh, seven off. Yeah. yeah. Yes, then. Yes, you're correct. Then. That's my bad. I thought it was five. It's seven. Um, Do you without fans still obviously... fancy them staying up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Eh? We'll see. Um, I know obviously Swindon's are quite a popular away day as it is but it'd be nice to uh, send them down for sure but uh, anyway um, speaking of players to watch um, you've mentioned to yourself uh, Liam but I just wanted to touch upon Brett, uh, Brett Pittman obviously experienced striker for uh, especially for this level obviously playing for the uh, Cherries uh, Bournemouth um, in the championship and I, I believe he got uh, was involved in the promotion season, which uh, took him to the Prem. Um, so he knows every trick in the book and um, he probably will utilise that come Saturday, obviously being the relegation battle they are. Um, but as you mentioned, Liam, he got the two goals um, previously against Pompey. And 
I looked at um, his previous scoring record also, and his last goal was against the Jills back in March. So he is, he has gone under a bit of a uh, dry spell, but new manager, new start, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It, it's underestimated um, how any manager bounce with this revitalised players. And, you know, we've seen it happen here before. It happens to every single club. It's one of the most common sort of narratives in football. So, yeah, hopefully uh, Pittman can keep that as a one-game little spurt and we don't have to see him score a few goals against us. That would be nice. Um, Joe, I believe you wanted to talk a lot about the Pompey game yourself and also on two particular players out on the wing. So I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, uh, Ross, for touching on Brett the Hitman Pittman. Um, I think one thing that's quite um, apparent, especially from that um, Portsmouth game, was that then... <laughs> sorry, uh, that, I know that was awful. I do apologise. Um, but they um, they didn't necessarily dominate the game and Portsmouth actually almost had uh, Portsmouth had 19 shots to their 13 um, and if it wasn't for Lee Camp in goal yes that's right Lee Camp formerly of Birmingham City um, they, they I think he, he made uh, seven saves so I mean maybe the 3-1 doesn't necessarily tell the whole story of the game but if you take your chances and your opponent doesn't then of course you know you do deserve to win um, but one feature um, that I noticed was obviously with the four four two, you you know it's going to be quite a fair bit of wing play, and that is a place where they have actually got a bit of talent. Um, if truth be told, they've got uh, Jordan Garrick on the right, uh, who played right back. He's on loan from Swansea, I believe, and then Jack Payne. And Jack Payne, for if, if those people don't, guys don't remember, he was the one that absolutely twatted one in from about twenty five yards against us uh, in, in the reverse fixture. So. You know, he's certainly got a bit of a bit of talent. And then um, on the other side, you've got Dom- Dominic Thompson. I believe he actually got a hat-trick of assists in one game earlier in the season. Um, he's on loan from Brentford, I believe. So, again, good good calibre of player. And Scott Twine, who was actually recalled from Newport County. And I believe there's no player in English football that's got more goals from outside the box than him uh, this season. So, again, you know, a real threat from range. And, you know, experiencing goal. And so it would be interesting to, if they do play the four four two because I think they could be dangerous down the wings, especially with two strikers in the middle. However, you know if they are going to play this four four two, I think we'll tear through the middle of the pitch. So, yeah, it really does depend if they're going to change to match us or or whether they're going to stick with this four four two. Because going forward, I think you know if they've got two really attack minded players on each side up against, you know, one one Laird and one Saranola. We're really going to have to, you know, make sure we're, we're not getting caught out. You know, Fraser and O'Reilly will have some big roles to play in, maybe going wide and helping out. Um, and then, you know, if they are playing with two strikers, then again, you know, I don't think they're going to be playing pretty football. They're going to be absolutely desperate. They, they need to win or else, you know, it's very unlikely that they'll be staying up. Um, so, yeah, I think just as you said, you know, it's a game that, I'd like to think we should be winning. However, they they certainly do have some talent in their team. And with a new manager, you know, and well, I mean, anyone but John Sheridan is probably an upgrade. And so, um, yeah, we'll just see how it goes, I guess. Just because we played Sheridan's uh, Wigan team as well and we absolutely slaughtered them. So, yeah, I think anything from Sheridan's an upgrade. Yeah, definitely. And... um yeah, do not underestimate this winning team. It's full of talent. And, um, well, fingers crossed we don't see it on a Saturday, but I'm sure they'll make us pay for any mistakes. On the on the setup thing, I'd be very surprised if they did change the setup for us. You know, 
he's had a limited amount of time to work with these players. Uh, Tommy Wright has, so I feel he's had to set up one formation and do it really well if they want any chance of getting out of this hole they're in. Um, and of course, this is this is last chance to loom for them, really. If, as you said, Joe, if they don't really win this game, they're probably down. Um, so I'll be I'll be very surprised not to see the four four two, especially as um how well it played against Pompey uh, midweek. So we could be seeing a very similar setup, which could be the benefit to us. Uh, so yeah, happy days. Um, on to predicted start 11s, gents. So uh, Ross, what's your predicted start 11 looking like for the game against Swindon on Saturday? Yeah, so I've gone with the ever so reliable Fisher and goal. And then I've gone with the normal back three of Dean Lewington, Harry Darling and uh, Zach Jules. And then uh, I've gone with, as the wing backs, obviously uh, Laird and Sorinola. And then in the middle, it's a bit of a difficult one. Um, I'm I'm thinking that Kasumi's going to get a rest. Obviously, we've obviously come just coming back from injury, but Russ Russ is ruthless and uh, he, he wants to win every game. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Kasumi start either. And then, so I'm going to put Kasumi starting, but um, it's a case of doing uh, try and change up with Josh McEachran um, to obviously Sermon. But obviously, with form, you go with McEachran. So I've gone with, I'm probably edging more towards uh, Josh McEachran. And then ahead of them in the box, I've got Matt O'Reilly and Fraser. And then normal one, Greg up top. But I'm hoping for another 11 out of 11 on Fan Hub this week. Yeah, very nice. See, I, I had won the previous case of that, and you got one on Fan Hub yourself. So well done on that. Um, and yeah, hopefully. One of us again get 11 11s, that'll be nice. Uh, pushes up the not only the club leaderboard, but the own fan rating leaderboards for ourselves. As always, if you're not involved in Fan Hub, please check it out, especially now regarding with all the uh, you know, Super League situation and all that rubbish. Um, it really values the fans, and that's why we partner with them in the first place because they give back to the fans, which not many people do these days in terms of big corporations. I have stuck with the 352. Um, obviously, I paid the price of doing that against Bristol Rovers, but I'm taking some of the guns. I said that this game, uh, Bristol Rovers, this game, and Rochdale would be three perfect games and we could use the 3 5 2 and see what it's like. And I'm sticking by that. Um, I'm picking the exact same team I picked for the Bristol Rovers game. So that was uh, Fisher in goal, uh, Louis, Darling, Jules, the back three, uh, Led, Toronola as the wing backs, uh, Kaz in the pivot, uh, Sermon, and Fraser as two more advanced midfielders and then Brown and Greg up front. Um, yeah, pretty much similar opinions to last time. Uh, I think Charlie Brown needs to start a game eventually. Surely it's going to happen at some point. Um, I'll keep bagging that drum until it happens. Um, we've got, surely we've got, surely got to start a game this, uh, by the end of the season. I mean, yeah, he, he deserves a chance. So I'm going to go with this game. It's going to be the, the game. And um, hopefully he, I reap, I reap the rewards for uh, predicting that. So, Joe, um, again, from Ross, two different formations from me and him. So, have you gone with the box again or have you joined me with the 3 5 2? I've gone uh, very similar to, I actually think it's the exact same prediction I did for the last game. Um, it's, so, and I think I was, I was only one off in that. Um, so, I've gone with Dean Lewinson, Harry Darling, and Zach Jules uh, in front of Andrew Fisher, um, Laird and Sorinola uh, in, as wing backs. Um, I've gone for Kasumu again. And the only change I've made was McEachran coming in for, oh, sorry, Sermon coming in for McEachran. I think maybe it's just at that point where maybe 
Martin Russ just wants to give Kasumu a run of games and he's just rotating Cerner and Kekron alongside him, perhaps. Um, I think, you know, in terms of holding midfielder, I'd personally put Kasumu as number one. Um, for me, I probably I probably couldn't pick between McEachern and Sermon to be honest with you at this moment in time. So I think it's only fair both of them get a chance. Um, one of the reasons I haven't gone for the five three two uh, the three five two as you know is I just don't think he can drop Matt O'Reilly or Scott Fraser. I just don't think I just think both of them are putting in you know consistent levels of performance. And even when you know people maybe said that they had a few quiet games, I think. But you know they they as we've said before they are our main you know our main creative distributors and they they have that quality that you know even if they're not having the best game we've seen O'Reilly hit the bar from twenty five yards we've seen him score from twenty five yards we know you know we know these players can do it and taking that out you know I think is maybe we, I just don't think we need to take that out um, I've gone for Greg up front uh, like you. I wouldn't be surprised to see Charlie Brown there, but when you've got a striker who's had two great games, you just keep playing him. <laughs> Simple as that, really. Oh, oh yeah. If I was playing the box, I wouldn't. I would go with Wigley up front myself. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying regarding the three-five-two, but we've got to think a bigger picture here. In that, if if we're going to go with the box all next season for 46 games, you know what? Fair enough. Hold my hands up. That's fine. If we aren't, which I think is very very likely, we aren't. Then we've got, we've got to see the three five two with these two up front, Brown and Grigg. I, I I've said many a times why that this needs to happen, um, and we're not going to get a better chance to do that against a team who have to win, much like the Bristol Rovers team did. And it's gonna yeah, I mean, and we want to finish the season well, so we we have something to fight for us ourselves. So yeah, I, I'm I'll, I'll keep predicting it and in the hopes that it actually happens. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to be proven wrong once again. A um, broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, or you could call it insanity as well. So yeah, I mean, we'll, we call it many things. Um, let, let's get to our um, predictions in terms of score-wise. Joe, um, I'll kick off with you. Um, obviously, we both got the 2-0 prediction correct last time. So what's your prediction looking like for Swindon uh, at home? Um, yeah, I think I think it'll be sort of similar to the first I think the, the 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 main difference between what what I could see happening in this game versus the one at the county ground is the fact that they've got a fairly competent goalkeeper, and I think that we'll have chances. But I do, you know, he's a good goalkeeper, so I, I think we won't necessarily run away with it. But I think that I'm going for a two-one win. I think, like, as you said, they're going to be throwing everything at it, so I wouldn't be surprised with us taking a two-goal lead and maybe then getting one late on and making it a bit nervy. But we've got the quality to win this. We should win this. Um, it's it's just yeah, keeping the standard tie ahead of next season. Yeah, I've also gone with a score draw win, but I've gone three one. Um, listen, if AC Wimbledon score four goals against them, we can get a couple at the very least. So, yeah, I'm going to count that the quality that we've got now in the squad, and plus we're on a bit of form, it gives us a few more goals uptick than maybe what some people would expect. Um, so yeah, I've gone three one and us to relegate Swindon Town by the sound of it, because they can't get out of it if they lose. So yeah, happy days. Um Ross, me and uh Jerry both gone with a score draw win. Um, what's your prediction looking like score wise for the game on Saturday? I'm going for the hat trick of clean sheets as well. Um oh. I'm tipping us to get a clean sheet against the Swindon side. Um yes, 
I think you mentioned seventy six percent of them uh, scoring away in their away games. Um, I just feel we're on a roll at the moment, and uh, once well, we've seen what this side can do once they get in full flow, and I don't I don't feel like that's going to stop on Saturday. And as Joe mentioned, we want to be start carrying this on into next season. So I've gone with a two 0 Don's victory. I like it going against a trend. It's uh, like that interesting. I think I feel... one thing is. So just one thing as well, we've got a very good record against bottom half teams. I think we've only lost maybe two or three games against teams in the bottom half. So I think it just shows that, you know, when teams maybe are inferior in quality, you do tend to put them away. Yeah, and at the start of the season, we were beating, we we're still beating the bad teams as well. It was the teams above us that we were losing to. So, um, yeah, that I thought that was a good sign in the sense. We were, even we were that we were that poor, we weren't as poor as losing to the teams below us. Um, so yeah, just a little note there. Okay, that brings us to the end of episode forty-eight of the MK1 podcast. Um, as always, if you excellent, you can subscribe and recommend this to any other Don's fans who don't listen. And as always, come on, you Don's. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.